Welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for um, your match review against Brighton. Normal business has resumed, Larry, after last week's blip against Brentford. And um, happy Sunday, as usual. Yeah, very happy Sunday. What an awful performance that was. And the the most depressing part about it, Tom, Brighton weren't good. United were just awful. Oh, I was going to just fly straight into the Spurs display against Liverpool and Son's goal. That's what I was going to fly into. Oh, cracker. You, you want to touch cracker on United, do you? Uh, look, I'm, I'm happy to not watch United for the next two weeks, to be honest. When's the Crystal Palace game? 23rd of May. We got a nice break. So I can go back to watching my NRL side who continuously depress me as well. It's just Manchester United, the gift that keeps on giving. Some of these players, mate, I'm telling you, they're as keen for the end of the season as we are. Just truthfully, I know it almost comes lazy at times to say lack of effort, lack of heart, lack of desire. But in summary, that there's nothing else to it. It just came down to the Brighton players wanted a 50-50 more. Look, you're completely right. And look, the players, as we all say, they have to take individual responsibility. Like here, I was saying halfway through the season, Solskjaer shouldn't have been sacked. It was on the players. Now, ultimately, he did need to go. But I always look at players first. But is there, and I'm not excusing them at all, but is there a case to some, not excuse, but somewhat excuse them in regards to sort of the direction the club took and whether this is the right or wrong, just in terms of the way it did play out, in terms of the direction the club took back in, was Solskjaer sacked in November, early December? Mm. See when it was around that period of time, bringing in an interim manager who wasn't going to stay for the rest of the season or who wasn't going to continue on, who we've seen in um, January, who has come out and confirmed in January he wanted to sign players, the club said no. Is there a case where, again, not excusing the players, but you can understand where that lack of motivation compared to other clubs who are fighting on all fronts for everything, whether it be Premier League survival or they're fighting for trophies, you can understand or you can see why that motivation just simply isn't there. I, I can't, Tom, to be honest with you. When when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got sacked, United were only four points off the top four. There was no excuse for the capitulation that we've seen this season. Inconsistency, a lack of desire, a lack of cohesion, and a direct refusal to follow the manager's instructions, which has been alarming. But, but when, that's what I mean in regards to the manager, because we're going to get in individual performances. And I thought the main thing against Brighton was not so much the individuals, and yes, they were bad, but Brighton looked like a team. And we simply never, for years, haven't looked like a team. Like Brighton aren't as good as us, but they had a plan. We were just, okay, we'll pass to him because he's free. There was no sort of intention behind any of our decisions. But you make that point on Ralph Rangnick. The players aren't playing for him because he's not the manager. Like, I'm just thinking that that decision that they took back in November to Im- to employ him and confirm that he's not going to be the manager next season, and they haven't backed him in January, there isn't that, I don't, don't know what the word is, that collective feel sort of moving forward. It's all very disjointed and week by week at the moment, I feel. I could level the blame in different sections. I don't think it's fair to say it's solely the players, it's solely the manager, it's solely the board. Everyone who is a stakeholder in this shares the blame. But ultimately, it is on the players. Because if you're directly refusing the manager's instructions and failing to do basic things like compete for a 50-50 or complete a pass or track your runners when you're playing in midfield and protect your defense. Like these are football fundamentals, Tom. There has to be a level of professionalism to your performance, a level of pride for your family, for the badge that's on your heart, for the fans that travel day in, day out to to watch and support you. 
there's simply no excuse for the performances we've seen this season, which capitulated, um, well, which ultimately resulted in tonight's performance. Um, can I say, though, I have to be critical of Ralph Rednick. I, I know there's been some, some, some appraisal of the way he's conducted himself in his press conferences. I'm the other way. I think it's really unprofessional. I don't like to see Manchester United's dirty laundry and in public. I don't think it's... I think it's what it needs. I think it's what we need. I, I don't because it, it's never been the right way. If, if you can think back to... I know it almost feels lazy and at times frustrating to bring up Sir Alex. But if you think of from when the Glazers took over, United had... A, they made a profit in terms of transfers, okay? From 2005 to 2013. You never had heard Sir Alex throw the Glazers under the bus. He kind of just got on with the job and found a way to be successful no matter what. What Ralph Rennick is doing is basically, he's not doing it for the benefit of the club. He's doing it for a, an element of self-preservation. He doesn't want to be blamed for the, the current run of results, where, to be honest, he has to take a, a, a share of that. Yeah, but he's the manager. He's the face of the club at the moment. He's going to cop the brunt of it. And, and I, look, I understand your thing. And my criticism of Ralph Rennick's honesty is purely based on, and maybe this shouldn't be the case, but getting the best out of this group of players for six months. You look at the interim manager sort of situation that Solskjaer found himself in, came in, not a good manager or whatever you think. He's not a world-class manager, but he came in and was able to put smiles on faces and do a job. That was his job because we hit sort of rock bottom under Jose Mourinho. Solskjaer came in, get something, get a smile on your face, get put an arm around his shoulder, and that will improve performances, which will improve our chances of finishing higher up the league. Ralph Rangnick's honesty, while I think is a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain, will prove beneficial in the long run in regards to an interim manager getting us through to the end of the season and finishing in the top four. His honesty, I don't think, has helped. Now, I'll criticise that in regards to performances and what I want from this season. In two years' time, I'll probably look looking back and say, Ralph Rangnick, what a genius he was, and we owe this success down to his honesty back in that interim period. So it's, it's a weird one at the moment. I understand your thinking and agree with parts of it, but... What do you want him to say? Do you want him to, when we're, they're not transparent in press conferences, we ask, well, where's this honesty? Well, they're just towing the company line and then we'll criticise him for that. Well, I think it's the, the things he's saying in public should be presented to the board. The challenge around not bringing in a striker in January or your concerns with the scouting or lack thereof in terms of how, how the, the structure is there. Air that with Richard Arnold. He's your CEO. He's your boss. That's the person you should be airing your frustrations to. Not the media, not to the fans. You're not here to please us. You're I would say Ralph Rank is someone who would who would be airing it with the upper the higher okay, ups at all. That's where it should stay for me. I just I would like to see the evolution of Manchester United's success happen in the background because if that happens, the fans will ultimately be happy anyway. It, it can happen in the background. Look, I agree with parts of that, but Manchester United, it can't be kept in the background. It is too big a club, and even if it is completely, well, there'll be a story about it. Someone will just, Chris Wheeler from the Mail, will make up a story simply just guessing, okay, this, I think this is going to happen. He'll make up a story, and suddenly that story will become a narrative, and that'll work its way into being a part of the club, and then it'll sort of facilitate by that. So I, don't, I think Manchester United are a beast now, which unfortunately can't be controlled in regards yeah, I, to narratives. I take your point, but you have to think about it. Like you brought it back to the players and we initially started this little debate we're having now. It was about the players. So if if you're uh, Edison Cavani, if you're Juan Mata, if you're Nemanja Matic, you know you're leaving next season. Jesse Lingard, 
what benefit is there for a manager talking about next season, the things that need to happen? What is their motivation to play if the manager, the guy who was accountable for your performance today, is too busy talking about next season? I don't think that that serves any positive purpose. The other thing I'll pose to you, in hindsight, you say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should have gone. If we know that Ralph Rennick is a long-term strategist, yeah. why didn't we look to leave Solskjaer in his post for this season, regardless of how bad it got? Appoint Ralph Rennick as the consultant, advisor, whatever he might be. Get him in from now to start setting up that structure. And then if we failed to make top four, whatever it might be this season, Solskjaer would have fallen on his sword anyway. I just find that you, you look at how we sacked him for who we replaced him for. I almost wonder, you know what? I don't think we would have finished any worse with Solskjaer. It, it was the appointment and there was a lot of, okay, there was a disappointment how, how it ended under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But then ultimately when, like any player or manager, when um, Ten Hag was, uh, sorry, Ralph Frank was announced, there was this air of excitement. We all try to get excited. We'll get, we hate the new kit or the new leaked kit. When it comes out, everyone will flock to buy it sort of thing. Like we, we get excited when these things are announced. When Ralph Frank came out and said, okay, this is the guy moving forward, perfect interim manager. Deep down, almost like the Ronaldo signing, what a perfect signing Ronaldo was. Deep down, we had sort of questions, well, is it the right signing? Why are we doing this? With Ralph Frank, I think deep down, a lot of us thought, well, hang on. This guy's one, he's not a manager. Two, it's definitely a long-term project under sort of anything Ralph Frank wants to do. So as an interim manager, we're all saying perfect interim manager. But deep down, I think a lot of us probably accepted and realised it's probably the worst appointment you could have as an interim manager in terms of what, especially how he's going to try and implement his football with this crop of players he's pretty much the worst interim manager. And I, I think this is not a criticism of him, but I think, and it's all, always hard when you've got one manager in the post for 26 years and one manager in for less than 26 weeks. I think statistically he's going down as Man United's worst ever manager. Well, he, and that's the thing. I just think there is an element of, yes, he's trying to short air, air the grievances that he's facing and, and highlight the... The, the significance of the job. But on the other side, Tom, you can't deny that there's an element of self-preservation here. Like you said, statistically, he will go down as the worst Manchester United manager. So if you're Ralph Rennick, you need to protect your own reputation. And I think there's a large element of that in all of the commentary that he's spitting out in his media press conferences. Do you think there's a case of, and look, we criticise players for that, but do you think Ralph Rennick almost had a... Uh, a right to do that in regards to the way the players have let previous managers down and no. are letting him down? No, he's being paid by the club. I said this to you offline. But we're just saying it's the players. Like the players, yeah, are, yeah. They're, they're quitting, they're down well, in tools. I that... don't like my boss and I go on LinkedIn and I record a video telling the world how shit I think my boss is. I get fired. Or at the very least, I get disciplined severely. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just Ralph Rennick is paid millions of dollars. Let's not also forget he is a millionaire being paid very well to do this job. And if you're Richard Arnold and you're saying, all right, Ralph, I'm going to give you the keys to the castle. I want you to advise on the structure of this football club going forward to get us back to where we need to be. And then this guy is going out there to the media and explaining the conversations that are going on to the masses. It, and you also have to remember, like, I, I understand there's – a want from the United fan base to be a football first football club. And we absolutely can still do that while having a commercial focus. We should, but ultimately we are a, a publicly listed company on the stock exchange. This does nothing for the value of Manchester United. It does nothing for the reputation in terms of attracting sponsors, which ultimately will determine United's ability in the transfer market, short-term and long-term to start airing the dirty laundry of the football club. So I'm sorry, I have to be critical of Ralph there. 
Yeah, no, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if sort of what our opinions are of Ralph Rangnick when the season finishes and then in two years' time or at the end of Ten Hag's reign, how Ten Hag goes. I think a lot of that will depend on, okay, Ralph Rangnick did a good job or he did a bad job. Um, we'll be fascinating to see. But in regards to all that, Larry, there was a football match and we have let the players off lightly at the moment because we both agreed at the start this was on the players. So where do you want to start? I think we go... From trying to go back to front, David De Gea I thought was fine. De, concedes four goals, he's still fine. No, no issue with David De Gea. The he back should have done better with the. Uh, he should have done better with the with the first goal. I feel. Well, no, no, sorry. The one it went through Victor's legs. I can understand why that put him off. The second goal, I think he should have done better there. It was a powerful shot, but he should have done better. I, he had visibility of it. That's my only criticism of De Gea there. You could argue for the the one that goes through Lindelof's legs. It's tricky. I can understand why that puts him off. Um, you know where I will start, and I think it's the right place to start, why we were so defensively fragile. Let's talk about Manchester United's midfield, Tom. Yeah, I know. I thought, well, look, I don't know. First of all, we'll get into Scott McTominay, but I don't know why Nemanja Matic can't play 50 minutes. Why? He doesn't slow down, in my opinion, but we just have it in our mind that he does because he always gets taken off. Just keep him on. I thought that was the wrong side. I thought Fred should have come on for McTominay, not Matic, and so that's why I, I'm a big fan of Nemanja Matic. But I'm so glad he's leaving because he's not a he's not a player for Man United if he's only going to be playing 45 minutes uh, a game. I, I think it's bad. And, and Scott McTominay, I thought it was one of his worst performances this season. And it's I'll stand by my case where I will stand by him because he is someone who puts himself about and does care. Where we sort of have legitimate questions that other players don't. But in regards to ability, and look, I'll put, pin this back on the manager as well, somewhat. He's not. He doesn't want to go get the ball at number six. That's not his position, but that's the task he's been given. And he's clearly not one. He's not comfortable doing it. He's not confident doing it. And obviously, when those two things are combined, it's going to be a disaster. And it's one of those things I'll ask you. Fred has been afforded the opportunity to play in his preferred position higher up the field. So he's, those mistakes aren't sort of as highlighted as they are with Scott McTominay now. What do you prefer? Because Scott McTominay gets so much criticism, and rightly so, for shying away from the ball, from not going to pick the ball up off the back four. He sort of hides behind plays. He doesn't want that. What do you prefer? And I don't know the answer to this. Scott McTominay shying away from the ball and not giving that back four the option to play through midfield or Fred who goes in there thinking he's Lionel Messi, getting the ball in those dangerous positions and losing the ball. Which one do you, do you want the confident player going in there and making a mistake or do you want the non-confident player just saying, well, hang on, I'm not good enough to do that. I'll sort of shy away from it. I don't want either. I want competent midfielders yeah. who are comfortable, who are well-rounded and at the level to play for Manchester United. And That's this the thing. Is we're, we're blaming the players, but ultimately it does come to investment. We need that number six. Yeah, we do. Of course we do. But you know what, Tom? When I said to you, let's talk about the midfield, I'm actually I'm, I'm looking at the other side of the game defensively. We conceded four goals and Rafael Varane's copping a lot of the brunt and it was probably his worst game in a United shirt, to be fair. But the failure of the midfielders to understand what is happening around them and crucially the failure to track runners united were always one short every opportunity that brighton had if you look at the second goal it went from it went from the right side of the pitch to the left side where the bloke who looks like sideshow bob scored uh there were no players anywhere near him like just the lack of so, desire to get across so you much of that, and, and look, I look, I look at it, and look, I agree. But I, look, I played in midfield. I've been in times where it does look like you're not tracking runners, but so much of that sort of stems, in my opinion, from your wide players. From your wide players, if the ball's on the left hand side, your right side of play needs to come straight in the midfield, and we'll get an overload. Same thing happened against Chelsea. Who was the right back for Chelsea the other day against Alex okay. Telles? 
Reese James, how much time how much time he had. That was down to who was on the left, Marcus Rashford, not tracking back. Now we have a makeshift left winger in Bruno Fernandes. I think because the, the opposition fullbacks are now being able to sort of trod forward and get into line with midfield, Scott McTominay and the man you manage sometimes playing on the wing, like in a midfield position, but in a quite wide area. So they're starting to get overloaded. And, okay, Rafael Varane and Victor Lindelof are having to track the midfield runners going forward. That's also because the midfielders are having to track that midfield runner and then track a fullback coming into their channel as well. So, yes, ultimately in regards to Weffert, yes, okay, they need to track the runner if they're within two foot of them, okay, chase them back. Okay, but they've also got a ball to engage themselves with. So I think it's a purely collective because here we are and we watch the Man United players say, no, they're not good enough, okay, or that wasn't much of an effort. But ultimately, everything we do, and I, I put this back to maybe not Louis van Gaal. Louis van Gaal, we looked like a team. Maybe a shit team, but we looked like a team. From jo- the moment Jose Mourinho walked in, and I know we finished second, and I know we finished second at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we haven't had an identity. Look at us last week. We said, oh, that was a United goal when Alanga crossed it for Bruno. Was it? We just hoped it was. We said, oh, we like that type of goal. But there is no plan or structure in the way we play. Brighton, not as good as United. I don't think the players are as good as United. But my God, everything they did, you said, okay, I know why they're doing that. Every time Scott McTominay got the ball, it was a pass to the red shirt, or when he found a red shirt, because simply he was there. When Fred gets the ball, he passed it because simply a player was there. Every decision is sort of reactive to what's around us, where Brighton and teams like that are so proactive and, and you can see what they want to do. If they achieve it or not, that sort of de- comes down to quality. But United have the quality, but just with sheerly no plan. And that's where my excitement um, would come with Eric Ten Hag because obviously he is someone who can implement a system. But can these players sort of be coachable into that system? Well, we have to remember how many players who started today are going to be at the club next season. I can already name Nemanja Matic, Edison Cavani, one Mata won't be there. So that's three. And I think there are countless others. Um, You know what I mean? I just, I also think there is a, there is something in having a genuine off season to implement a system. I think that really does matter. Uh, With Ralph Rennick's style, look, and this is where I will be critical of Ralph Rennick. He has to take an element of blame for this. It's up to you to find a way to motivate your players. So if the player is ultimately unmotivated, I will question and call out their professionalism or lack thereof. But it's at the end of the day, the manager's job to be the ultimate motivator. If your players cannot believe in your systems, then that speaks to you as a manager. You cannot find a way to get a tune out of these guys. So I think with Ten Hag, you're going to see new players come in, which will be crucial. You're going to have the likes of Donny van der Beek and I imagine one more who have played under Ten Hag, who will buy into his system and almost be his, what do I call it, spokespeople in, in, the, in the dressing room to drive the, the expectation. And you can't understate that enough. I think the other benefit for Ten Hag is there's going to be no international football over this period due to the World Cup being uh, in November. So he'll have the benefit of having the nucleus of his squad for a four to six week period. So you'd hope we should start to see the touches of a new style and identity in the early parts of the season. Look, you say that, and I'm definitely not one to have my international cavern in front of me. And look, I'd like to agree with you, but I'm sure they'll throw internationals in there somewhere. Look, Fred's playing in Melbourne before he comes to Melbourne, obviously with Brazil and Argentina um, before the pre-season tour. So I think there will be internationals in there. Um, Maybe they just haven't been sprung upon us at the moment. But... Is there anything else on the match that we discussed? Obviously, four goals. I forget the goals. Yeah, I think it was a one nil at half time, then three in the second half. Um, is there United anything? Need investment everywhere. Like if I like, but when you at the start of the season, when we had when we when the transfer window closed, I think all of us would have said we need a six. 
other than that, it's a pretty good team. I think a lot of us are of that opinion. Now you look at yeah. it, I could, we definitely need another centre-back. Definitely need another centre-back. I could make a case for two new starting fullbacks on both sides. Two yeah. midfielders, arguably, just centre-mids. We need two at minimum. Three when, Pog, three when Pogba leaves. Three when Pogba leaves. You're going to need someone who can be utilised as a 10. And we definitely need a, a two strikers. And you could make a case for a right winger. There's, well, there's well, so many gaps. Look, on that, on that last point, I completely agree. But do the club agree? I'm sure they do. But whether they'll be able to... Well, no, no. The, the, Ralph Rangnick has come out and here. I don't want to bring this back into Ralph Rangnick and his honesty. But he came out and said the club don't think there was a striker who could help the team. Well, to be fair, the, the full statement there was the board agreed with him. And then when it came back to the scouts, the scouts said... There are no we have we're not eyeing anyone. No, but but it's Manchester United. Like okay, in terms of the names Ralph Rangnick threw out, pretend you're playing football manager and you, you, we've all played with Man United on there, and you, we've got sixty scouts in there researching five thousand players, and that is what Man United do. Now they don't have detailed reports on five thousand players, but probably a couple of hundred players to a thousand players, they know exactly what's happening, and they can get detailed reports. Click now, forget those names. Ralph Rangnick said, okay, he wanted Luis Diaz. Okay, that's a big name, Vlahovic. Who was the other one? Um, there was another striker went somewhere. Um, um, the guy who's going to City. Alvarez. Yeah, Al Alvarez from River Plate, I think. So if we get those big names who sort of are getting moves. It's Man United. Okay, so let's say there's a 1,000 players up for grabs. Okay, well, t okay, take away those five. We've got 995 players. Left. Surely United can do something to get us over the line or give us a chance to get over the line. Yes, ideally, it might be an Enes Cavani signing where long-term it doesn't make any sense. But we needed something to make sense for the six months, and they haven't backed the manager to do that. And I think I'm split on that, you know, because if you knew Ralph Rennick wasn't going to be your manager, can you afford to spend 50, 60 million? Who's the next manager? Might not, not 50, 60. Get someone in online. Get Odin Agallo. Get, get well, you've got a thousand players in, in your scouting network. Surely, Man United can find someone. It's very hard Surely. in two days. No one, no one asked for the Mason Greenwood situation to unfold. No one would have hoped. Like, the thing is, it was so Dude, unfortunate. You, you have to be prepared. Okay, forget him going to jail. He gets injured. You have to be prepared for these things at this the, the, the club of this size. You have to be prepared. Okay, not for weird stuff like that. But worst case scenario, you have to be prepared. On loan a few days before. Like, if Mason Greenwood's situation unfolds and Martial's still at the club, this isn't even an issue. You know what I mean? I just thought... It was well, with their form, it might be an issue. Of events. With Anthony Martial's form, it might have been an issue because he might not have been in the team because he wasn't sort of warranting a spot. So, look, look I agree. In terms of business sense, and okay, well, you don't want to back the interim manager finance with huge investment. I, so, I see that side and I agree with that. Get someone in online. Get someone. Get a body to help Ronaldo. And I, I just think that he was let down by the club, in my opinion. Yeah, I, look, I could see both sides of the argument. It's it's a really tricky, delicate one. You know what I mean? I mean, if there wasn't an option to get a loan player, because you also have to remember, in the situation you're referring to, if you were to get a loan player, that club needs to find cover in 48 yeah. hours too. It was just really unfortunate and difficult. And I understand Ralph's frustration. And I'll still say, though, even with another striker coming in, I don't think United – it wouldn't have made a massive difference. No one banked on Edison Cavani being on holiday for two months. You know what I mean? If he was fit and available, it wouldn't have even been a conversation. Yeah, no, look, you're not wrong. And there are obviously always two sides to the argument. And um, do let us know your thoughts in the comments, what you think, uh, one of the game, but also the situation around Ralph Rank and the transfer market. 
and moving forward. But Larry, look, obviously four 0 loss at Brighton. We're not doing three two ones. We're not even going to bring the banner up. But is there anything else football related we want to discuss before we wrap up? Do you have any concerns around Rafael Varane's form? Look, yeah, you, you don't want to play in bad form. You obviously want them playing well. Um, yeah, concerns, but he's one of those players. Um, he's got his status within the game, and I think he does sort of put himself about. He does care. I think, okay, we question his sort of injury record, but um, I think he sort of always fights to get back. He's not on holidays in France doing his rehab and taking his time to get back. So I'm not questioning his mentality or his commitment. Just his performances, though. Like, yeah. do you... Do you I, I, I think he's been fine. Fine, Rafael but Rome. not Champions yeah. League Varane, yeah. is he? Uh, yeah, but he's not in Champions League Real Madrid. He's in Conference League Man United. So it, it, it's one of those things that I think we sort of look to other players and think, oh, he'd be better with other players around him. Rafael Varane would be better players with Sergio Ramos and Marcelo next to him. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. He, he's been okay. He needs to be better next season, um, as do every every player. So, um, But I think centre-back is one of those areas which um, I don't know if it will be invested in, but it definitely should be looked at to be invested in. You want to you want to criticize me for this one? If Brendan Williams comes back, he's made a statement a couple of weeks ago around you know he wants to come back and be the left back for United. If he's got the heart and desire for that, mate, I I know he's not looked into ability wise. He's got a ceiling, but I would not be against him being first choice because I know he'll give everything. Compared to like if I look at what Tellez and Shaw offer. Williams will not do any worse. I can look, assure it, you it's what I come back to with a lot, a lot of players, and Brandon Williams is a perfect case in that. In regards to yes, okay, there are huge limitations to his game moving forward. And if you got, want to be going and winning Champions Leagues, yes, go and invest and get the best in the world. Where Brandon Williams will never be that, a Scott McTominay won't be that, an Anthony Langer won't be that. But ultimately, if they're going to give their all at the moment, that's what I need. Now, yes, ultimately, long term, I need more than that. But now, no, I need players who are going to work and players who are going to run, and that's why I do stand by those players. Maybe more than I should. Let me know if I need to sort of um, stop standing by those players a little bit more and start looking more towards quality. But in my opinion, I've been burnt over the last 10 years. I've seen world-class quality being absolutely disgraceful in a Man United shirt. So um, they have put us in a tricky spot, these players, <laughs> over the years. And um, Larry, a fun Sunday, as usual. Yeah, pleasure, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. Look, look, I'm taking joy in Liverpool's um, drop points. Um, I've seen they're playing City have Newcastle today, though, which that is that's a banana skin for me. I think it's at the Eddie had, but off um, nah, City's but off City's capitulation midweek against Madrid, you think, oh god, what's well, it going to be like? I think that motivates them. To be honest, it, it's fingers, it's fingers literally crossed. back in their court now. Like it's it's up to Manchester City. They win their remainder game, remainder of their games. They they win the title. I think with no Champions League to play for. You, you don't want to be an embarrassment of an embarrassing end to the season. So I think I'll back City. I'll back City to, to win the Premiership. And then we can finally put this quadruple talk to rest. How, what an embarrassment Liverpool are, by the way. Seriously. All right. You know what? To wrap up this video, let me criticize Liverpool fans. They think they are the inventories of everything. They think they are the best everything. I've seen Trent, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is the best right back in the world. He's not even the best right back of the last 20 years. He can't defend. Right, um, Robertson is the best left back. Van Dyke, Michael Owen, best centre back of all time. Please spare me, right? Spare me. Like, just they think they're the most unbelievable club ever. They've won one premiership in thirty years. Do one, will ya? Seriously, 
No, look, I, I don't disagree, and we'll dedicate an episode if they don't win. The, and forget the quadruple, I'm still trying to protect the treble. So, fingers crossed Chelsea. Well, look, if they lose one of them, I don't care if they win the treble and it's the League Cup, as long as we protect our own. Um, but, yeah, definitely Chelsea hats um, in the FA Cup, City hats in the Premier League, and um, we'll get our Spanish flags out for Gareth Bale's winner um, past Allison um, in the Champions League final in Paris. But, um Fingers crossed all goes to plan in regards to that side of things. It's not going to plan for Manchester United where it needs to be, but um, we'll be having plenty more discussions of that over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, make sure you are subscribed because on Tuesday, um, Tuesday night, Sydney time, we'll be having a FA Youth Cup final preview. We'll have former Man United player and Man United youth player Scott Wooten on, so we'll have a look at sort of his time at United, um, his, what the focus was like when the FA Youth Cup, when he was coming through the academy. Um, his career since, what it was like. He was obviously in the 2012-2013 title-winning team. Now, didn't play any Premier League games, but obviously in that dressing room. So it'll be great to get his insight into what it was like in our last title-winning dressing room compared to the absolute circus it is now. So it'll be great to get his thoughts. So make sure you join us for that. Um, it should be a live episode, so usual time on Tuesday night. And um, with no other football, we'll probably do an FA Youth Cup final review on the Thursday. And Larry, I think they're selling up. I saw a report today or a tweet there. I saw one saying 60,000 today. Oh, there you go. It's just going up and up. And what an opportunity for these young players. Can we focus on a positive here? If they impress, it's literally a trial game for Crystal Palace, you'd think. It's an opportunity to play. I was was kind of glad Ganacho didn't be thrown on. I was sort of glad it was Harry. And I think think there was something in Harry Maguire coming on. I think that was Ralph Frank saying, do you think, because he came on at 4-0, didn't he, Harry Maguire, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that was something by Ralph Rennie. And I know there was a maybe a tactical side of things. Okay, let's keep it at four. Let's bring defenders on. We end up playing with the back five. But I think there was a case of that where I would have been disappointed with Ralph Rennie if you brought Ganacho on at 4-0. And I thought, uh, Harry Maguire, you've been shocking this season. You put us in, you're a big part of putting us in this hole. You go out there. You face the music for the last 20 minutes. And look, that's rough by Harry Maguire from the manager. But I prefer him being treated roughly than Alejandro Ganacho. So I was glad he stayed on the bench and to be kept fresh for the match against Forest midweek. And um, as I said, we'll be back on Tuesday and obviously Thursday to review that match. Fingers crossed United, um, the 18s can put a, their stamp in Man United history because obviously it is a historic tournament for Manchester United. Until then, Larry, you have a good one, mate. You too, mate. Cheers. Enjoy the UFC. Cheers, mate. Yes, I'm rushing off to the pub to watch some fights to try and cheer me up. So fingers crossed. Hope everyone does enjoy that. Um, please do leave a like on the video and give us your thoughts in the comments below on all things. And we'll chat to you on Tuesday. Cheers.